0: I want to welcome you guys. Today is December the 11th. And uh, as we all know, Christmas is around the corner. And wherever we look, we see people are decorating. We just actually started decorating our house this morning. uh, Last Sunday, last Sunday night. So we're decorating our house with lights and with garlands and Christmas decorative. Uh, It is truly a joy to see and to experience as you drive around the cities. It helps put us in a festive mood. Even if you don't know what Christmas is, if you were an alien, or if you come from a place where they don't celebrate Christmas, right? I was talking to uh, someone here, and um, it is possible, less possible now, but it was possible back then. When I came to the US, I had no idea what Christmas was about. I was 13 years, there was no Christmas in Vietnam. It's a communist country. They don't celebrate anything, just so you know. Uh, But it is possible, right? If you came from outer space, and you came from somewhere else, and you see all the lights and the decorative, then you realize, oh, there's a sense of anticipation. Right? Something is coming up, something exciting is happening, something amazing, something joyful. There's a sense of celebration as you're anticipating that. So that's what the month of December is. It brings out a sense of joy, right? A sense of uh, a joyful anticipation, if I can use that term. Even if you don't know anything about Christmas, Or even if you don't believe in God, there's a sense of joy that's swelling up as we drive around, as we notice the the people around us. So we know what Christmas is about, right? Just as what Marie shared. It is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior to all mankind. And we, for almost 2,000 years now, have the benefits of hindsight to know that Jesus Christ was born and he is the Savior that God's people have been waiting for, the Savior to all mankind, not just the Jews. However, imagine if we knew that God is sending a Savior, but we do not. If we do not know when the Savior would come or whom that Savior would be, The level of anticipation that we have been seeing and sensing around the town, that level of of anticipation will be heightened to like maybe a thousand times, right? You're always constantly on the lookout. It's like, I know God is sending a Savior, but who is that Savior? And where is he? When is he coming? So if we do not know that, it will be a different type of anticipation waiting for God to come. Right, this heightened level of anticipation was, God's, was what God's people had to live with for thousands of years. You know, Centuries, thousands of years. They had to live with the knowledge that God will send a Savior, but they did not know who or when. I don't want to take us on a short trip back in time and put ourselves in that situation. A, lo- a different level of anticipation for the Savior that was promised to mankind. So if we live in an Old Testament time and we know that throughout the years, throughout the centuries and there were many stories passed down for generations about God's hand of protection, right? God's hand of provision and uh, intervention and prophetic declarations of the promised Messiah, Messiah. And uh, very briefly on the prophetic, which I'm glad that Vanessa shared a dream and, and Marie shared what God has put on her heart. So the prophetic, very, very briefly in a, in a simple term is uh, God is giving a glimpse of a things to come. Whether it's in words or images or scriptures or dreams, that is a prophetic declaration that God has spoken. That I will send a savior to you. So that's what I mean in terms of through the prophetic declaration. So I'll, I'll list a few prophetic um, uh, declarations that came through in time. So Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's what we just sang for, Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel means God with us. I think most of us know that. Just in case you don't, Emmanuel means God with us. I didn't grow up in a Christian household, so a lot of these terms I actually had to look up. Well, not now, but in the past. So Emmanuel means God with us. And we've seen that three times in Isaiah, and and we see that mentioned once in Matthew. So remember this name, Emmanuel, God with us. And I really felt this as I was preparing the message, and it really came through through, uh, what Ryan shared during a pre-service prayer time, and with what Vanessa shared, and what Marie shared, is remember this name, Emmanuel when things are not going well, God with us. And I feel that it's something that we need to emphasize, always, God with us. As when we're going through some tough times, a lot of times when things are great, right, we're going through the highs of highs, we don't think about those things. But when we go through the lows of lows, remind ourselves, God with us. And I really felt to share that and speak that over us today and to know that God with us during the season And Jesus has another name, and it is Emmanuel, God with us. So this prophecy, uh, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, is fulfilled in Matthew 1, uh, verse 18 to 23. So keep that in mind. Isaiah lived roughly 800 years before the birth of Jesus. So just imagine there was something that was spoken in the 12th century AD, that one day you will have a little piece of material that you can look and see all the news worldwide. Just imagine in the 1200 AD what people would think, right? That's what Isaiah said. One day, a virgin will give birth to a son, and obviously that's an impossible. It's humanly impossible, but it will be possible. It was only possible through a supernatural intervention. Another one is from Isaiah 9:6. 6. For to us, a child is born. We're just saying about this. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace so these two are often mentioned around this season but let's not let's not brush through these verses because we hear them all the time we hear them all the time and sometimes it becomes it kind of goes in one ear and goes out the other ear but let's slow down and look at this the government will be on his shoulders there's authority Roar and reign of Jesus will be on him. He will be the Prince of Peace, a wonderful counselor. Come to him. Go to him. Keep our focus on him. The mighty God, the everlasting Father. So I want to encourage all of us to remind ourselves of the deep meaning and the purposes for these verses, especially during the season. Uh, another one's from Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, I, I'm not going to list that on here for you, but this chapter speaks to how Jesus, our promised Savior, would live, which we can see that through uh, the first three verses as a suffering servant, and then uh, from verse 4 through 12 is like a substitute, a sacrificial offering for us. Jesus indeed lived out, Isaiah 53. And also we hear the stories of the three wise men, right? Whenever you go to the, the nativity scene and you see the three wise men and the baby, and it's all very nice and cute, just like what Marie said, uh, just a little baby. So the three, the three wise men, they knew the birth of Jesus, why is that? That is something that I've always wondered. How did three wise men, nothing to do with the Jews, nothing to do with God's people, knew of the birth of Jesus? It's because they have studied the history of mankind. They were seeker of truth, learner of knowledge. And what God spoke to the prophets and what God has promised regarding the Savior, they study all those things from an unbiased standpoint. They have been waiting also with heightened anticipations for this promised Savior, not just for the Jews, but for all mankind. So therefore, when they saw the signs, because these are three wise men, is translated as learners, seekers of truth, people who study and learn history. They saw the signs and they knew what those signs meant. So going back to the well-known stories about the three wise men, we can see it in, written in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, when they ask, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Isn't that amazing? Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews when they are not Jews themselves? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him because they have been watching out. They have been studying. They have been seeking knowledge and wisdom and truth. So they came and they asked because they were looking for those things. And they have been waiting with joyful anticipations for years and years and centuries. And I wanna step out in this season of Christmas to encourage all of us to know this. When, when Christmas times come, you wanna talk about Jesus. And when you talk about Jesus, there's three groups of people that usually will come up, just like how we see in response to the birth of Jesus. Right, you have Herod, did I say that correctly? It's gonna be Herod for this morning. Herod, King Herod responded with open hatred Because he was determined to look for this baby and kill this baby. So that's one group of people that will respond to Jesus. Second group is the religious leaders. They responded with indifference, so to speak. They were just more concerned with their positioning, with their standing, with their responsibilities. Like, wait, I still want people to come to me, so let's just push this Jesus aside for now. Let's discredit him. So that's the second group of people. And third group, the wise men, the seeker of truth. They just go where the truth leads them. They go where their knowledge, what they have learned, lead them because they just want to come and sought out Jesus and worship him because that's where Jesus is. That's where knowledge and wisdom, right? Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That is why they were seeking out Jesus, because in him, all the wisdom of knowledge and power. So remember that as we share about Jesus during this time, there will always be, always be three groups of people. Three different responses, but it's okay. That's what happened when the birth of Jesus, we can see that. So it's something for us to know and to expect. So, so in general, this was how the three wise men knew where to go. They were generally seeking wisdom and knowledge, which led them to Jesus. It would have been just gibberish right, if no location was mentioned. They would have been just wandering throughout the whole globe, looking for wisdom, go up the mountain somewhere, right? Just like a lot of things that we hear. Go up to the mountain, there's like a lonely guy sitting there sharing wisdom for you. I always wonder how he got up there in the first place, what does he have to do to eat, to drink, and keep himself warm? But anyway, so they knew where to go. How, uh, you can see I watch too much martial arts movies, right? It's always go up the mountain to seek for wisdom, Somehow wisdom is up there. That's not true. Wisdom is in Jesus. So however, a specific location was, was also spoken about through the prophetic words. That's why these three wise men have learned and studied. So we can see this in the book of Micah. Um, Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, all of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. That's why they knew where to go. And this was written roughly 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Again, these were things that were written, prophetic declarations for, for the, the coming, the promised Savior. God knew. He knew even one more. After Adam and Eve were tricked by the devil that he would eventually need to send a Savior and promise to do so in Genesis 3:15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head you will strike his heel briefly on this verse there is enmity between the people of god and the devil there's no truce no gray area no friendly competitions I just there's not, nothing friendly about between the devil and us nothing friendly enmity enmity means feeling of hate Intense hostility. So a lot of times we watch sports and we see you know, competition and people are competing. It's not the same thing. It's, it's meant to kill. It's, it's almost like you guys ever watch? I watch a lot of movies. You know, the road warriors, right? Two men enter, one man leaves. You guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe I'm... So, so that's what it is. That's, the dev, that's how the devil view us as they need to trick and lie and kill us. So it's not like I play tennis with Joe. It's not like, oh, we play tennis, have some fun, and then we shake hands, we walk away. No, the devil has open hostility, intense hate for us. He will do whatever it takes to keep us, our friends and our families, from committing our life to Jesus. The things the devil will do will cause things such as sickness, right, disease, cancers, fears, lies, generational sins keep that in mind of who our enemy is and there's nothing that he would not do just like there's nothing that jesus would not do for us there's nothing the devil would not do to keep us from him because of his enemy for us i mean on one hand i i don't want to give him too much credit because god created the devil but also not to take him lightly because there's open hostility intense hate for us, And His only purpose is to take our eyes off Him. His only purpose is to take our focus off Him, to cause us from committing our lives to Him. Just like to, to put this in, 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 a, in the context of today's age, like an illustration I want to use is, let's say if you know someone that is constantly trying to steal your saving account, Right? If, you've, if you know someone who is constantly trying to steal your 401k, would you, whenever he's around, would you want to keep an eye on him and make sure that he doesn't know anything about you, right? You don't want to give him, like these games that you see people, oh, what's your first name? What was your first pet? It was like, don't give him any of those things. Don't give him any hint about your past, anything. Think of it like that. The devil has intense hostility for us, and he wants to steal our inheritance. So keep that in mind. That's why I use the term 401k, right? That's our retirement plan. That's our eternal inheritance. He's trying to steal that and take that from us. So do not give him any password. Do not give. Don't not be friendly with the devil. He's not friendly. Keep that in mind. So always remember. At the same time the second half of Genesis 3 verse 15 he will crush your head he will crush your head and you will strike at his heel but Jesus will always prevail and he will always be victorious so keep our eyes and our focus on Jesus and that's what we sing about that's what we always want to keep it about Jesus it's not about the name of any organizations or any persons or any skill or gifting keep our eyes and our focus on Jesus he will prevail So then, do not let the situations or the environments that we're in distract us from our victorious king. Good? Good. So um, another illustration to help us have a glimpse of what the Jews, God's people, had to go through for centuries in in terms of waiting with heightened anticipations to the point of desperation is from another movie. I can only use movies. I, I need to come up with better illustration, but I only know movies, because I love movies. I, uh, I joke that my kids are movie heads, but they got it from me. Uh, so the movie that I want to use to uh, an illustration to help us understand the desperations and the anticipation that the people are waiting for is from The Lord of the Rings, the second movie, The Two Towers. Who has not seen The Lord of the Rings? Oh, I knew Marie was going to raise her hands. You should watch that movie. All three movies, these are good movies with a strong gospel, gospel message in all three of them. So very, very, very roughly and briefly, and I think just a reminder for all of us, is the, the good guys in this movie were vastly outnumbered by the bad guys. Outnumbered from the standpoint, like, they did not have enough arrows for the, number of the, 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 the size of the army that was coming for them. So the good guys just needed to survive, to persevere until help arrives. And eventually, help would come in the form of a wizard Gandalf and leading the enforcement that would come down, charging down from the hill with a bright light on top of his staff and blinding the enemy and, and leading the cavalry. And obviously, the savior in, this, in the form of the wizard and defeat the enemy and rescue the good guys. So in the scenario of this movie, applying that to the Old Testament time, right? The good guys could be God's people. They had to fight desperately against insurmountable enemy to survive. So the odd of them surviving, not even overcome, but surviving was none, not even slim, right? A lot of times we hear the odds of, of doing something is like slim and none. The odds of them surviving, not overcoming, is none, not even slim. So all, their only hope was the coming Savior, the promised Savior, according to that line in the movie spoken by Gandalf is, Look to my coming on the first light of the fifth day at dawn. Look to the east. So that line was spoken in the beginning of the movie, and the rest of the movie is about the good guys surviving until the fifth day. So at least in this movie, they knew they just needed to make it to the fifth day. That was not the case with God's people in the Old Testament. Not the fifth day, not the fifth year, not the fifth century, not the fifth Whatever. They just did not know. That's why there was such a heightened anticipation because God could be here today. The Savior could be here today, tomorrow. They had to constantly keep an eye out for the Savior that is coming, the promised Savior. And they, they believe in God because they have seen God's faithfulness. They had seen his provision. They have seen his leading to them. And I believe that God waited so long to send Jesus because we as the people, God's people, they needed time to finally accept that we cannot save ourselves. Can I say that? I'll be honest. I had a season where I thought, you know what, it's all about me, it's all on me. If I can survive, if I can do this, if I can do that, I can solve problems, I'm practical, I'm smart, I read books, I know things. But there will come a point where you realize we cannot and we do not have all the answers, and we need Jesus. It's the same thing with these God's people. After a while, they realize we need the promised Savior. Please, where is he? Send him. They were desperate, just like the illustration of the movie. They were going to die. They were not going to even overcome but not even survive. The odds of them surviving will be none without the promised Savior. We need to get to that place, and then Jesus, God, was sent the Savior. Because God, people knew deep within their heart that they need a Savior after so many years of trying to save themselves. So as I said earlier, the reason they believed in God's promise because they have seen God's move throughout their history, right? Not only through the stories passed down through the generation, but the written documents of of God's promises through the prophets. And the historical evidences of god's hand throughout the century they trusted in his faithfulness and they trusted that god has always done what he said he would do god has always done what he said he would do keep that in mind he is faithful so even though we have a glimpse of an image of the future of the plan of the inheritance that god has for us and it just seemed like the path and the situation that we're in, just taking us away further and further from it, God will always do what he said he, he would do. Keep that in mind. He is faithful. So therefore, when the signs appear, coming back to the three wise men, the wise men knew, right? They have been studying. There's a heightened anticipation of a constant lookout. So in Matthew 2, the wise men knew. They saw the signs and they re- then they realized the Savior, the King of the Jews, has been born. Where is he? show us to him so we can come and worship him also in luke 2 the prophet anna knew she has been praying and realizing that this is the promised savior when jesus was presented to her i want to begin slowly bringing this morning to a close with um, luke chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 but the angel said to them do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I want to repeat that again. I will bring you great, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not just the Israelites, not just the Jews. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Just a side note, this angel was the first preacher. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all the people. See, that is something that we may want to try, especially with Christmas around the corner. Jesus is the good news that will bring great joy to all the people. So the Savior that God is sending, Jesus Christ, to take our sins and die on the cross as the final, ultimate sacrifice for all the people, So then we, all the people, will be saved spiritually. So Jesus came as the ultimate gift for us, to us, so that we can have eternal life and be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. So those two go hand in hand, right? We cannot be in relationship with our Heavenly Father because he is eternal, so we need to have eternal life. When you have eternal life, we have relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's why Jesus came, is to save all the people from eternal hell and condemnations. So keep that in mind as we spend Christmas and see friends and families and those that we don't get along with very well, those that we disagree with, Jesus came for all the people, not just the people that we like, not just the people we think that are cool, for all the people. Jesus came to save all the people from eternal hell and condemnation. Jesus came to save all the people from the lies and the bondage that were put there by our enemy, the devil, to break off generational sins. Remember, open hatred, intense hostility of the devil. He wants to lie to us, lie to our friends, lie to our families about what we need, about who Jesus is. We, unlike the Jews back in the Old Testament time, no longer have to wait in heightened anticipations. Right? We don't have to anticipate, oh, Christmas is coming, so I need to wait. No, we know Jesus is the promised Savior. It's just, Christmas is just a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But he is already here. We know him. He is the promised Savior. We know who is the promised Savior, who will bring great joy for all the people. The anticipation is over, right? If you guys ever um, have gone through a situation and you look back, like hindsight was 2020, 20, where, man, if I know now what I knew then, I would do things much differently. Maybe it's just me. I've had many of those, those experiences where, like, man, if I know now what I knew then, I would probably behave, act, and make different decisions. Now that we know who is the Savior, Let's not live with any type of anticipations that he's going to come and he's going to do all those things. He is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He is already here. Let's focus on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Help point people to Jesus so then they can receive the Savior, so they can have the good news, so they can have the great joy that we have through Jesus. So thankfully... We don't have to wait anymore, right? We know who is the Savior. So let us celebrate Jesus, not Santa Claus, not Happy Holidays, not Santa Claus, okay? It's Jesus. It is Jesus. So let's point people to Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Point people to Jesus, the promised Savior. Let's proclaim to everyone around us because proclaim Jesus because the devil is still desperately Desperately, desperately trying to spread lies to our enemies. I have this joke with my kids, right? You know how they are in school and they talk about Santa Claus, whether you're naughty or you're nice and Santa Claus is gonna bring you a gift. I usually ask them, which these two are a little bit older so they, they know what's going on, but with Joe, it's like Joe, do you want Santa Claus to bring you a gift, or you want mom and dad to bring you gifts? You tell me. <laughs> he will realize very quickly that santa claus does not bring any gifts he gets gifts from mom and dad because of jesus because of jesus so let's not play along with the lies and let's speak the truth in terms of this season of jesus of why we celebrate christmas because the great lie now as it was in genesis three that we're perfect right we don't need anything we we don't need a savior Why would we need a savior, right? You you work, you have jobs, you can buy things that you want. The idea that we're perfect and we can do whatever we want, we can be whoever we want, as long as it makes us happy. That is the great lie. You see that in Genesis chapter 3, and it's still happening right now, but it's just communicated to us differently. This thinking, this mindset of us being perfect and we're good, we can do and be whoever we want, takes away the understanding of the consequences of our decisions, the consequences of our actions. So if we think that we're perfect and we can do whatever we want, we will never make mistakes, right? And we will, not have to, and we will always be justifiable for our actions and the decisions that we make, which leads to never have to admit that we have sinned or we need a savior. So this is the great lie of our enemy. Remember, I'm going to repeat this until you guys are sick of it. He has open hostility, intense hatred for us. It's not a friendly competition. It's not like, yeah, I'm going to compete against that team, and then when we go away, we're done. No, they are intent on stealing your saving account, your 401K, and all your retirement that you have saved up. He intends to do that, and he will not stop until he's done it, and he will not be satisfied until he has taken away our eternal inheritance. So keep that in mind. So the anticipations that the Old Testament people had to go through, we don't have to go through anymore. It's over. So let's live with, as people who know our Savior is, that is Jesus Christ. The promised Savior is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. So next Sunday, that's what I have for us for this morning. So next Sunday, we will talk more about The verse from Luke, I love talking about Jesus. The good news that will will cause great joy for all the people. We will talk about that next week. And that good news is Jesus, right? The promised Savior. I hope when you leave today, whenever Santa Claus come up, don't smile and walk away. Make sure you point it out to people. It is Jesus that we're celebrating and anticipate three types of responses, like I said, like King Herod, open hostility, or indifferences, which is a lot that we see nowadays, or those who are actually wanting to learn more. Spend your time and your effort with those who are seeking for truth, seeking for wisdom, seeking for knowledge, because they are seeking for Jesus, because that is where Jesus, in him hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, amen. Amen. All right, guys, why don't we stand up? Let's. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us, and um, we will be finished for this morning. Um, just, I just want to go back to some of the things that was coming through this morning, and um, what was brought forth with uh, with Ryan, with Vanessa, and with Marie is God is with us. You know, there will be moments where we go through. Situation where we feel lonely or alone, or the situation, the circumstances just seem like it's too overwhelming to overcome. Just know that Jesus, His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us always, through the high of highs and the low of lows. He is always with us. He is faithful, and He will do what He had promised to do. And He is the victorious King. So, Father, we just want to thank you for you, Lord. I just thank you for who you are, Lord. I just thank you for Jesus, Lord. We want to thank you, Jesus, our promised Savior. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do in us and through us. And thank you for the gift of eternal life. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will strengthen us through this time, Give us greater revelations as we seek you, as we push more into you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I speak against any distraction that will take our eyes and our focus from you. Take our focus away from the celebrations, from even the anticipation, and focus on you, Jesus, our King, our Lord, our God, and our Savior. We love you, and we praise you, Lord Jesus. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name, God. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.